Hi, everybody. Um, I wanted to welcome you guys to the first ever School Psyched podcast. Uh, we're very excited to be here. My name is Rachel. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Anna and Rebecca. Uh, today, tonight, we're going to talk about a couple different things on our agenda. We have first off, we're going to give us uh, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a background, um, where we come from, what our experiences are. Uh, we're going to talk about internship. That's our main topic for tonight, just because pretty important, I think, to anyone um, who's a school site, that internship experience really kind of shapes you um, and where you go with your career. We're going to talk about um, our first impressions of the new WISC. Everyone's super excited. We talked about kind of uh, nerding out to that amongst ourselves that <laughs> we, we're all just very excited for something new. And um, also sharing some resources tonight, some free resources that everybody can be using. Um, before we get into that, which is um, our agenda, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the purpose of this podcast and the format and what we hope to accomplish and how you guys can be participating uh, as people who are watching. So this kind of came from one from watching my husband who is a teacher and he's very involved um, online on Twitter. Uh, with other teachers and they connect and they collaborate and they plan lessons together and they participate in education chats uh, pretty frequently and podcasts and uh, share ideas and share their passion and I've noticed that we don't have a huge following online of psychologists that connect and collaborate and whatnot and that that would be pretty good for us especially some of us are coming from small districts where we maybe don't have access to a whole lot of professional development, we don't have access necessarily to other school psychologists. Um, where some districts are very large, others, you might be the only psychologist there, you might be contracting, you don't get a lot of that interaction and that collaboration and uh, just that idea, sh idea sharing that you do with working with colleagues. Um, so seeing that that was kind of a need uh, that's where this kind of sprung up from. And then the other place that this came from is last year um, I was involved in some professional development and it was about two hours away. So a bunch of, it was a, a TBI training. A bunch of us would carpool every month, two hours, uh, six of us in a car, going to this TBI training. And I think the carpool itself was actually in some ways more beneficial than the actual training just because we got to talk about things that were going on in our schools, we got to kind of vent a little bit, we got to um, share ideas. I ended up changing my report template and things based on some of the ideas that the other psychologists in the in the car had and I was really you know grateful and thankful for that. So the purpose of this uh, podcast is to share our passions, to share resources. We don't need to be reinventing the wheel every time. Uh, I know that test companies like to sell resources and forms and you know ABC forms and things like that. And really, a lot of us who have been in the field for a while, we've made these things ourselves. We have access to free resources and observation forms and uh, stuff like that. So why are we reinventing the wheel? Why are we paying test companies? for this type of thing when we have it already. It's just a matter of getting it, sharing it with each other. So that's kind of what we want to do. Um, so this podcast, it's not going to be just the three of us talking and disseminating information like I am right now. I know I'm rambling a little bit. Um, the purpose is to get audience participation. So we've set up a couple different things through the, the Google Plus uh, community there. You should be able to leave some comments for us in real time as we're broadcasting. You should be able to use the hashtag um, psychedpodcast to talk to us on Twitter and also we've got some Facebook feeds up and running. So my friend Rebecca here is kind of in charge of uh, manning some of those and keeping her eye out. So if you guys are able to comment and give us some feedback and partake in this discussion that we're going to have tonight, we'll read out some of your questions and concerns and some of your input and that's really where we're coming from. We're not the experts. Everyone has different strengths and weaknesses um, and we want to build upon that and so we want you guys to chime in. This will also be posted to, you know, to YouTube after the fact and hopefully people can 
listen in, even if you wanted to listen, you know, when you're doing your jog or something, just to keep up with what's going on. Um, we've talked a little bit about the format and having guests on, so maybe somebody who is an expert in the field, if we wanted to talk about uh, auditory processing and get an audiologist on to talk to us about that, or TBI and have a neuropsych on. Um, some of the people that we work with every day, SLPs and OTs and PTs, have some really great feedback with working with uh, school psychologists, and we'd like to hear from them. Um, people that you know are professors who are doing some research and have some interesting findings. We we want to get these people on our podcast. We want to start discussions. Um, get lots of people interacting and talking and collaborating. So that's really kind of where we're coming from here. Um, we also want to inspire people too. When you're buried in a mound of paperwork and maybe your district's understaffed and you're just pounding your head across, you know, on the desk and you feel like, why am I in this field? Sometimes you need something to re-energize yourself. Sometimes uh, you need to find your passion again. So this is kind of um, another reason that we want to do this. So, also supporting interns, really. Um, I've seen a lot of interns who get discouraged their first year because they're maybe not supported enough. And we want to provide that support to some interns maybe who feel like they don't get the, the feedback and the, um, the time devoted to them that they should. So this is a place for them to, to feel comfortable and ask questions and interact. Uh, that being said, we definitely want feedback on what topics we need to be discussing. We've already gotten a little bit of feedback to the Facebook page as far as some really good stuff with, um, uh, let's see, counseling, manifestations, uh, the legalities of OHI. Um, we were thinking also some test kit reviews might be something to do. Um, another thing, too, I would love to hear from a SPED lawyer to get some feedback on the legal side of our jobs because we can be very legal heavy in, uh, in many respects. Um, so, if you guys would just uh, kind of bear with us, we're new to this, we're all very nervous, and I'm sure that we're going to be experiencing some technical difficulties from now and here and there. So, um, hopefully not too much, but that being said, um, I wanted to pass it over to Rebecca, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself, and we'll, we'll go around and kind of do a, a more thorough introduction. So. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Rebecca. I am a school psychologist in Connecticut, living and working in Connecticut. I did my training in New York State, and I'm pretty much brand spanking new. <laughs> this is my... Uh, second year after graduation. So I, I had my internship year, my first year in the field, and I'm on year two. So I um, I really relate to interns. I feel like a, an intern still in many ways. And um, similar um, to Anna, I loved that, that internship um, year so much because of the collaboration because of the times when we would have meetings with all the interns and the supervisor and be able to share our ideas and what was working and, and, and be able to say, I have this challenge and this student and I'm given this, you know, task, this assignment and I don't know what to do and please help. And I, that was such a comforting thing during internship that, um, I, I relate to that, needing that time, having, to, to speak to other professional, other school psychologists, but like you said, OTs and speech and language pathologists, I feel like I've learned so much from other um, professionals in the building, and and I love, I love it. I just, I want to be absorbed in it all the time. I'm really excited about it, and, about the field, and about my new career, and, and all of it, so... Um, I also have four kids. I was home for a very long time with my children, and they're they're my little one is a tween, and my oldest is going to college next year, so they're they're on their way. Um, but I have loved being home with them. But it's time. I'm excited to be back in the field. So I have those two things that I'm I'm juggling like everybody, like a lot of people. Um, 
also, what else is there? There's really not so much that's important <laughs> about me personally, I think. Um, I would love to someday maybe go back to school. So I'd love to hear um, from other school psychologists that have gone um, beyond the master's level certification to see what kinds of programs they enjoyed and, and what they how they made a choice um, determining what, what kind of program um, to apply to. I, I, I want to hear from interns I, on my Facebook page which which has brought me so much comfort because just the support and the collaboration and the kindness people are so wonderful on that on the page. Um, I want to hear for, I hear from interns a lot in my message box and just you know questions that I remember having myself and it, that are not you know I like like you said, Rachel, I'm not an expert at all, but having somebody say, what, try this, or what do you think about this, or you, I think what you, that was a great idea that you shared, and just that feeling of support is so helpful and so important, and I want this um, to be like that, to be a place where we can all come and say, this, you know, I, I have this lunch bunch group, and my objectives are X, Y, and Z, what do you guys think? What are some activities that you've tried? Or um, I have this one student and he's just, he's just nothing has seemed to work and what can I do? Or, or I gave this test and I made such a mistake and what can I do about it? And, you know, are there, can I substitute subtests and things like that? I like the basics um, in, in terms of uh, sharing ideas and resources and support. So that's who I am and what I'm interested in. And now I'm going to pass it over to our friend Anna, and she's going to share about hers. So. Hi, I'm Anna. I am a school psychologist also, obviously. I've been working, this is my sixth year, working in special education. So I work in upstate New York, and I went to school in New York, so only worked in New York State. Rachel, you beat me with having worked in multiple states. And Rebecca, you too. So... I have a New York State perspective and I have a special ed perspective since I work exclusively with kids with IEPs, kids with disabilities. Um, so I'm excited to be here and to talk about working with different kinds of kids with different functioning levels and getting ideas. And Rachel, introduce yourself again. All right. Um, so I went to undergrad in uh, Binghamton University, which is upstate New York. Uh, majored in psychology and sociology, uh, was involved in a rat lab, which was an interesting experience. If anyone out there from Miller Lab is watching, yay. <laughs> um, for graduate school, I went to University at Buffalo, very cold weather. <laughs> um, was a good program. I, you know, I felt like I learned a lot. Went out on internship. Uh, kind of did the weather extremes. Went from the cold in Buffalo to Nevada. Uh, very hot. It was. Really great internship experience. Um, I have lots of good things to say about you know my supervisors and, and what I learned there. Um, after that, I went to North Carolina where I stayed for five years. Um, my role there shifted really. Uh, when I first started out, it was mostly just testing. As we went on, we took in on more of kind of an administrative role in the SPED department. At, at, at our schools, so the psychs would kind of oversee a lot of the paperwork and making sure that the teachers were sending out, you know, goals and and making things sure that things were running smoothly. Um, so that was good. Um, and then now I'm doing my first year here in Texas, so I do have uh, opinions on on different states and how variable really it can be from state to state, even. Um, in most places there I've been, you know, we talk about IEPs in Texas, they're not IEPs, they're ARDs, which was kind of like, what? I've always <laughs> learned IEPs. And um, an ARD meaning uh, admission, review, and dismissal. So just the terminology um, is different state by state. I think that that's kind of a good topic that maybe we can have one night is just how different things are. Um, and then just in, in practice, how differently states are. Uh, go about business and uh, legal legal wise and whatnot so um, thought that was interesting um, I've got some experience with play-based assessment I've worked you know preschool um, to high school my least amount of experience is going to be in junior high 
Uh, I only did a practical placement junior high, um, but elementary, preschool, and high school, I've, I've typically had schools there and, and shared those. And, I, and in, in a public school setting is, is where all my experience is. Um, Right now I'm getting involved in some counseling, which is new to me. I haven't had a whole lot of that in the past, and now I've got about 30 kids on my caseload to do counseling for. So that's been new, and I've been looking online to get some resources to help me out with that. So I'm, I'm though excited to uh, try something new doing this podcast and get to know some people, maybe. So that being said, I think that we can uh, kind of transition into our main topic, which is just internship. Um, and how that shaped us, and um, how um, how how important that is really to a school psychologist uh, is that internship year. Um, I'm going to pass it back to Rebecca, and we'll kind of go around and um, talk about our personal experiences, and then I'm hoping that we're going to get some feedback from you guys, and we'll talk about a couple different aspects of internship. Yeah, so I um, did my internship in uh, a suburban town in New York State in a very, well, I guess in a, a medium to large public school. Um, I was in the middle school, 6th through 8th grade, and also three days at the elementary school. My internship experience was fabulous. I had two different supervisors, one in each school, and I also did um, for the district some private school assessments for the kids that lived in our town but um, went to private school and, and needed annual review assessment. Um, so I did. I had a, got a little experience in, in private schools then and I had a different supervisor, the psychologist that um, oversaw those, with, they used to call them census assessments. So, um, I, I did have a lot of people to <laughs> kind of uh, ask questions and to lean on and to learn from, which was great. But I found very quickly that school psychologists have just enormous loads of work to do. They have they they were so busy that my supervisors were so so busy that you know I was very sensitive to that because I wanted to help. I wanted to be someone that could contribute something to their work and to the school and to the students and the families. So I was trying not to, you know, have too many questions for them. I would try to divert my questions to my advisor at the college um, as much as I can because it's it's a lot. It's it's busy and you know when kids are the you know the, how how well we can support kids is the final outcome of how well we do our job. It's a, it's really important. So, um, I, it was a, a great internship experience. It was a, overwhelming. It was terrifying. I felt really um, fairly unprepared. <laughs> I don't have to. I mean, my program was great, but um, it you know it's limited what you can learn in a class and read from a book. And then once when you have to apply it, it's very very different. So the assessment piece was the scariest thing for me, but um, I found when I started internship that there were probably like you know four kinds of assessment that I did most often, and I got very comfortable with the WISC and behavior rating scales and um, a couple of other assessments, but no, not really much more than that. I, I got comfortable scoring a lot of things that I didn't administer. So, it, um, but I you know it was it was a very you know, a window of experience with assessment that was kind of small. I didn't mention before that before I had my children, I um, have a degree in English education. So I did teach for a year before I went back to graduate school. And so I have teaching experience. I'm very, you know, comfortable with kids. I'm comfortable um, with big groups and small groups. And so I think because my supervisors knew that I did a lot of groups and I did a lot of counseling um, in my internship and, and that's what I felt the most comfortable with and that's what I loved um, the most it, just because it was the least intimidating sort of and then um, after internship year I worked in a private assessment company a private pediatric assessment firm which was wonderful too but there's so much more um, freedom in the private arena because you can just say, well, this is what is going to be best. These are the evaluations that will be best serve our needs and get the information that we need, and this is the, the kind of work that could really help this child, whereas 
I found more in the public school it was more about how much time do I have how many kids do I have to test this week and you know next week and so and 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 what does the administration want what do the parents want there was a lot of juggling of other people's needs besides besides the students so um, I found that very liberating and comforting in the private arena um, and then and, and now this year since last spring I work in a private um, school in a private independent school and it's pre-k through 12 which is wonderful for me because I have you know the little little guys and I have lunch bunch in kindergarten once a week and and then I work with adolescents and um, support kids kind of through the college process and all of that as well so it's it's a it's a great place to be but now mainly because I'm in a in a private school I mainly do counseling I mainly do um, uh, I, like kind of uh, pull in pull in or pull out lessons with kids groups of kids or individual kids or entire classes sometimes um, and a lot of collaboration with teachers and administration administrators and parents but um, very very little assessment and if it if it's assessment re related I usually look at private assessments and evaluations and interpret results and data to inform interventions and to um, help teachers support their students and their needs and and so it's it's great I love it but I, I would love to um, push my myself to learn a broader range of assessments and and uh, learn about them and how to administrate how to administer them and things like that I think that would probably be my professional development area mm -hmm. so Anna tell us about your experience at work Okay. Well, my um, my internship was in uh, I'm sorry a suburban school a suburban school district. I worked at a high school for four days a week and then one day a week in an elementary setting um, within that district. And then also once a week I did family counseling at the family counseling center that they had, which was pretty cool. Brief solution focused counseling. Um, I I felt like my purpose at internship was to complete evaluations. You know, my supervisor at the high school had tons of reevals or you know kids who needed to be reevaluated um, on her plate. So I probably did 30 or 40 of those. Um, and that was sort of my main focus at the high school. And at the elementary school, I got to have a little bit more fun. I did several evaluations there as well, but also got to do some counseling and, you know, check all those things off of that internship checklist um, that, you know, we are supposed to do. But I really felt like internship was, was very testing-focused and um, more of the testing kids who were the problem was already solved. You know, they already had a, an educational plan or program in place, and they just needed a, a second look for regulation purposes. So I felt like um, an internship, doing that initial evaluation, I didn't get the experience of really looking at a kid and, and completing the first round of tests that have ever been done and figuring out what's going on with this kid. So I felt like that was sort of the weakness of my internship is that I got familiar with lots of tests and you know, got to do a variety of things, but I still didn't have a lot of experience and confidence in saying, you know, this is the problem with this kid. And that confidence is, is tough, you know. Um, Rachel, tell us about your internship. Yeah, I totally agree about, I mean, the confidence thing, that just, it just comes with the more you do it and the more experience. And that's how, I mean, when you, you did your two years of grad school, if you were, you know, specialist level um, and went out on internship, it was kind of a huge awakening of oh my goodness this is this is what it looks like in in real life in real practice and I think I learned way more in internship than I did those first two years in uh, grad school although you know I I speak highly of my program and it, it prepared me I think as as well as a program could um, I, you just learn so much you kind of you know learn as you're going with internship um, so my internship um, in Nevada. Uh, was a good experience. It was a, a large school district, so they had you know tons of psychs. So professional development was good. It was aimed towards psychologists. In some districts, if you only have one or two psychologists there, they're not going to aim their professional development to you. It's going to be aimed to the teachers. So it was nice that you know there was professional de development specifically for psychologists. Um, that's. Uh, they could rotate out and some of them can present on different topics and inform the others who are weaker in those areas. Um, I had two supervisors, which I really think was good. 
because you get to see how two different people handle things. And both of my supervisors were strong, um, had different strengths and, and weaknesses, and I think that I came out better for that, for being able to see how two different people present reports and evaluations to parents, and how two different people write an ED eval, and how two different people, you know, you know, deal with with things differently, and it, it was really good. So I could kind of pick and choose with, oh, I really like how she did this, and I like how she did that. Um, I also like the fact um, my internship, I, I took over two schools, so each of my supervisors had two schools to begin with, and then um, they kind of trained me at one of, I took one of their schools each, and so um, when I got going and got more comfortable, I had two schools to myself, but they were still there as supports, and they weren't as bogged down with testing and evaluations and things because I was taking half of their workload, which I think was good all around. Um, they were able to focus on other things, be really supportive to me, and um, to help out around the district if anybody else, you know, other psychs needed testing assistance or, or something like that. Um, so it was a really good experience. I learned a lot, really liked it. Um, the district being so large, there was, I think, 10 interns my year. So I think for a lot of districts, that, that's a pretty high number of interns. Um, and it was good just to see the other interns and who came from different programs who were, uh, to see how they were doing and to collaborate with them. It was really nice. Um, so, now that we've kind of talked a little bit about um, what our internships were like, I'm hoping first off that maybe some people will start tweeting in and start messaging us a little bit on, on the Facebook page because we definitely want some feedback and we want some interaction. Um, I've got kind of some guiding questions about internships that I'm going to throw out and we're going to discuss, but I'd really like to see responses from you guys, the audience. Um, otherwise, you're just stuck with us talking, and it's not <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have all the answers. So, <laughs> um, but as far as um, internships, what what should be considered when you're selecting an internship? As far as um, where you're going, um, what what makes a good internship? What should interns be thinking about when they're weighing their options? Anyone? That's it. That's a really good question, and a question that um, I've received from uh, kids in graduate or adults in graduate school um, myself. And it's hard. It's hard to to know. And I think one thing that I would suggest even before internship year is when you, if if your program has a practicum experience at all, is to try to have as many varied varied. Um, varied real world experiences as possible. One thing that I wish I had done um, was because I did my practicum which it was in my program a part-time internship that lasted um, throughout the year but it was just uh, a few days a week. Um, I wish that I, ha and I, I did it at the same place that I did my year internship in the same district which was great because it helped me during internship but I wish that I, I had chosen to try to find different kinds of places, a private school, maybe a private evaluation company, maybe, um, I don't know if you guys have by you, but in suburban New York there are a lot of wonderful um, private groups that do evaluation assessment, um, group counseling, and, and have speech and language pathologists, OT people. I would, I still, I would love to be involved with a whole group like that um, because you can learn so much from the other sides of it and there's so many um, ways to collaborate with with those other professionals that really help and inform what your objectives as a school psychologist. So I think one, some advice that I would have is to try to get as much, as many varied experiences in the field as possible. Even if that means shadowing someone for a day or doing whatever you can to to see what life is like you know in a different school or in a different place yeah. I, can, I can add on to that um, as far as oh I wanted to add on, I wanted to connect on what you had said Rachel about connecting with other interns I had one other intern at my at my site um, at my district we were never in the same building um, but it was cool to have one other intern to connect with um, and as far as advice for what to select for your internship, you know, because I was going to a, a district that had two different internships available, they asked me, like, which one would you like in the interview? It's not like I really got to pick, right? They offered me one. But um, 
there was one that was mostly high school and one that was mostly elementary school. So, like, I knew before going to grad school that I wanted to work with adolescents. I had a hard time as an adolescent, and I wanted to help people who were having a hard time. So I knew that I wanted to help adolescents. So that made my choice easy. I want to work in the high school setting. Like, that's the internship I want. You know, which one? That one. And so my question for anyone who's thinking about what internship site they want is where do you want to go and where's your passion? Because the more experience you can gain in that area, the more marketable you're going to be in that area for getting a job. So if you really want to work with adolescents, then try and seek an internship that has some work with adolescents or a component. If you want to work with kids with autism, you know, go to a, a school where there's a high population of kids with autism. You know, focus on what you're passionate about and pursue that. And also the well-rounded thing, I agree with that as well. You know, have those practicum experiences. <laughs> we had three different practicum experiences in my graduate school program. How many experiences did you guys have in your programs? Two for me. Two. Um, I had a, a year-long practicum placement that was um, three sort of half days a week during the, during the school year. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, uh, it was good to start to get to know what a what a school is like and what the job entails and but it was not it was you know only in that pl one place Did, was your practicum long that way well, um where i was it was uh year 1 as a grad student you uh. were with someone for part of the year and then it was broken into thirds we were in the quarter system so i got to be with someone throughout the, the two years through, at three different sites. That's how it worked for us. See, point. that's interesting. I never thought about that, the different programs would have different criteria for practicum. I mean, I know we all go out on generally that 1,200-hour internship because that's kind of the NASP standard, um, but I never really thought about um, practicum. Um, my practicum it did not start until the second year, so first year was just focused on courses, um, and the practicum was per semester, so I had... Um, half the year in an elementary school and then my other half of the year was in a junior high um, and it was two days a week so it gave me like a little a little glimpse of what it was like but until you were there I think every day like doing your internship it was, right. <laughs> that was when it's like okay this is this is what it is <laughs> well, I had a, an intern friend that was in the district with me and I wanted to just uh, connect to what you guys were saying about having other interns. We there were several, at least ten, I would say, interns in in the district, and we would meet. We would see each other sometimes at, um, you know, psych department meetings or department meetings that we had to attend with our supervisors. But we did, we didn't really get to collaborate. We, we'd have like little bits of opportunities to sort of vent and share in passing, but we, we didn't work together very much, and um, that was, I think, unfortunate. I think that would have been helpful to me, at least. But um, one of, a few of them were from, from, were from a different school um, close by, a different university, and their practicum experience, I remember, I thought seemed so much more helpful than mine because it was broken into um, practicum, practicum experience in assessment, practicum experience in collaboration and in cons consultation and in counseling. So they they would sort of have guidelines for their supervisors as to the type of experience that they were trying to achieve during those practicum times. So I think I that's a good thing that like um where universities set forth those guidelines that these are the experiences that we want our interns to get. I think that that's helpful, especially if you happen to get in a situation where your internship isn't really what it should be, that maybe your university can then step in and, and help with that. I have seen um, some internships kind of gone awry <laughs> before wow. where the interns are overworked, there's just too much testing, they don't have time to get the counseling in or anything like that. Um, or get those varied experiences because it's just test, 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 and they're looked at as, you know, somebody to reduce this testing load, um, and they're given a full load instead of taking maybe from a supervisor or whatnot. So um, I think that, that having those guidelines from the university is probably pretty, pretty important. Um, any uh, words of wisdom then for somebody who is in kind of like... Uh, 
maybe not so good a situation with internship. I mean, once you're in there, you have to finish out, at least from my understanding, you kind of have to finish out and get those 1,200 hours unless you can maybe transfer some somewhere else if that's even feasible at that point. Um, have you guys ever seen that or any thoughts on how somebody should handle that if they're in a situation where, uh oh, this is not what it's supposed to be, this is not best practice, this is not a district that's supporting me? Yeah, I, I know for myself, I my supervisor um, talked to me about her own internship experience, one of my supervisors, and she had been in the field on the job for 15 years, but her her internship was so bad <laughs> that, that she um, told me about it, and it was bad because her supervisor... Um, was just not not only not supportive, but sometimes she felt really a little bit un, unethical. And so she tried to talk to her um, advisor at the university. She tried to kind of make things okay, but she just recounted it as very difficult. And she just stuck it out to, like you said, get the hours and um, and and then move on. But it it is a difficult position. So what I would recommend today is reach out to other people, other school psychologists in other districts if you have to, or reach out to if your advisor can't give you maybe some advice that, that is helpful. I would just call other local universities. I would, because I'm just, a, I'm not afraid to ask for help, and I would ask anybody that I know, because I find that people are so kind and so helpful and so generous with, um, with their time and their support if you ask, and sometimes I think maybe when you're an intern, you're afraid to ask, or you know, it's it's scary to to describe the situation. What do you think, Anna? What would you suggest? Um, I really like the idea of connecting and talking with your professors at the school you go to because inevitably they're the ones who are kind of responsible for making sure this all happens along with you, and and trying to work it out and continuing to reach out and vent to people, including your classmates who are also in internship sites, even if you're jealous sometimes. Um, to connect and vent, and I would say try not to give up, and one experience does not equal a career gone wrong. It's, it's one year, and there are so many different sites out there. There's working in private settings, there's working in preschool, there's working in all sorts of different areas and with different ages and different states and even across like the county things are different in different school buildings. It's, it's crazy. There's so much variety out there. So um, the wor your world will get bigger <laughs> and broader. <laughs> I was waiting for that to happen, the cat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen interns just be absolutely miserable and I thought, you know, I felt really bad for them and, and I don't want an intern to sit there and think, oh my gosh, did I make the wrong choice? Am I in the wrong field? Did I just spend two years in grad school doing something and this is not going to work because what, I, what I'm doing right now, I don't like it. Um, yeah, so I think that what you just said, Anna, was really good advice, that it is a year and, you know, try again somewhere else. It might just be the district. It might just not be a good fit. Um, so just to stick with it, I think, is important. Not to give up after that internship year if it does go awry. <laughs> but, um, and then real quickly, I guess no, nobody participating through Twitter, huh, Rebecca? I haven't seen any. I, somebody made a comment on the Facebook page that I don't understand, and it just says Don's cast. <laughs> oh, no. That's Rachel's husband. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I'm not that. sure what that means, but, um, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of everyone that could possibly tune into this, we get my husband's kind of harebrained partners in crime. So oh, just, yeah. <laughs> It's not him. It's one of his wonderful. Um, <laughs> I like it. I don't know what it is, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, we're, um, we're, I think, we're out of time for this topic. Um, okay. I think that the conversation will continue on our on our Facebook page and across different mediums. So um, it'll continue, and we can continue to talk about internship if people have questions. And, and we're here for you guys. Check out the School Psyched Facebook page. And this, I'm sorry, the school, there's a School Psyched Facebook page and a School Psyched podcast page. Check them both out. Um, we're going to move on to talking about the WISC-5, which I have volunteered to talk about because I was very excited to receive the WISC-5. Yes, I took a picture of it with my phone and posted it on Facebook. Oh. And 
Rachel and I went to NASP uh, together this year. We met up there, and um, there were Whisk Five cookies, which I also got pictures of. <laughs> yummy! Everyone, yeah, anyone who's watching who went to NASP and got the cookies, they were good, right? They were, they were great. So thanks, thanks to Pearson for those. So. Uh, New task kits are exciting and thrilling, and I love to open them and experience them, especially when I'm already comfortable with the previous test. I think it makes it a lot easier to get comfortable with a new test kit. So this is the WISC-5 first impression. And this is not a WISC-5 expert whatsoever. I have given the WISC-5 for one of my students. Um, it's a student with an intellectual disability and autism who's already um, been, the problem's already been identified. It wasn't an evaluation where I had to figure anything out. It was just administering it. And I gave the first 10 subtests, so I haven't given the test beyond that, and there are a lot of subtests beyond that. So that's what I'm going to talk about, the first 10 and a first week. Okay, so the WISC-5, what's different? Boy, there were a lot of choices in the WISC-5 of what to order. It's not just your test kit anymore. It's your test kit, or do you want it in tablet version? Do you, if you get the paper version, do you want to score it online, or do you want to score it by paper? So in my district, we bought the paper WISC, and then we have bought some of the scoring online. So we have the pencil paper format with the Q Global. I don't know about you guys, but the Qs kind of confuse me. There's the Q Interactive and the Q Global. <laughs> it took me a long time to figure out which was which. So the I, Q this is the first time even hearing about Q Global, honestly. I'm so right. not up to speed. Obviously, I don't know Q Interactive, but okay. Q Global is just scoring your whisk that you have on paper online. So oh. think about being able to go on a computer anywhere across the globe and scoring your WISC protocol, okay? So it's just the online scoring. It's no longer like the disk that you get, right, mm -hmm. and you install on your computer. It's scoring and logging in online and going, going, scoring anywhere. So that's the Q Global. Then there's the Q Interactive, which is the cool iPad thing. And we haven't gone there yet, so I just gave a regular pencil, paper, WISC, WISC for my student. Um, there are some changes, some new and exciting things. Question, question, Adam, just to yeah. interrupt. Do you know... Um, and I'm thinking that the answer is no, but do you know anything about um, the norms? Was it normed differently? Like, do they have a norm for they took it on the iPad versus they took it paper, pencil? Because I would think that that could impact the results, right? If they're, I was just wondering if they had two different sets of norms for that. I've heard things about the norms of both of them, but honestly, since I've not, I'm not going into the iPad personally, I really haven't focused on that. So I know they've normed and researched both of them, and I know that, that, that one of the pros of using the digital format is that the students are more engaged with tablets and screens, they think, but I don't know um, what the norm difference is. And it, it would be certainly something interesting if anyone out there wants to comment and tell us about it. I would be happy to hear it. <laughs> um, so, okay, the new subtests. Um, first of all, before we go on to the subtests, there's new composite scores, the indexes. Um, we have two new primary indexes. Perceptual reasoning index is gone. It was replaced by the fluid reasoning index and the visual spatial index. So that's one of my cons that you're going to have to update your, your chart, you know, and your template, and you're going to have to, it's going to take a little more time to write your first, first WISC-5 report because the terms are different and some of the subtests are different. Um, so in the fluid reasoning index, we have a new subtest called figure weights, which is pretty fun. Um, they have to figure out, you know, which one would go in the empty spot. And then we have uh, visual puzzles and the visual spatial index. If you've ever given the WIS, the, the WACE, then you've seen visual puzzles. It's the same subtest as the WACE. So if you've given the WACE, then visual puzzles will feel old to you. And, you know, you'll have, it'll feel like just giving the same subtest. So that'll be good. Um, then the working memory index, there's a new subtest called picture scan. Um, this one's a little bit more challenging to administer although I like it more than the letter number sequencing. Um, so you have to show them the picture and count and then flip and then show them and they have to figure out which one they saw in what order. So that's different and there's less you know, language and it's not auditory with picture span, which, which I really like. And then in digit span, um, digit span is still there, but now there's a third part of it, sequencing. They have to put the numbers in order in the third part of that test. So that's new. Um, in terms of scoring, here's a, a headliner for you. There's only seven subtests in the full-scale IQ score. So that's different. 
So keep an eye on that if you're hand scoring. Um, if you were giving a quick and dirty IQ test and you only wanted to give seven subtests, you could give only seven and get an IQ. But if you only give those seven, you're not going to get all the composite scores. So um, you'll have to give more. Um, visual puzzles and picture span and simple search are not included in the full-scale IQ, but they are required for the visual spatial, working memory, and processing speed index scores. So that's pretty neat and exciting, right? I know it's not that I think it's exciting. <laughs> um, so there's one other cool thing is um, there's a nonverbal index score that you could get that is um, it's six subtests that would contribute to the nonverbal index score. So they say that this is good for the English language learners, the students with any language difficulties, um, or it has less, these are the subtests with less expressive language demands. So you can get an index score for that, which is pretty cool. That's good. That's what I like about the DOS, when I give the DOS that you can do that uh, special nonverbal composite for if it turns out that, oh, there's, there's some language issues, you can kind of drop out those language subtests, so that seems like the whisk is kind of following how, how that is, so I like that. Yeah. The last um, thing that I wanted to share was um, they've changed the descriptive classifications, all right? Um, they said goodbye to board, uh, the, the scores are still the same range, but they said goodbye to borderline, which is 70 to 79. It's now called very low. Oh. And below is still extremely low. So borderline was um, confusing, and, and, you know, it's gone. With border, maybe it was borderline appropriate to some people, whatever. Borderline is gone. And also up in the higher ranges, what used to be called superior is now called very high. And then um, 130 and above used to be called very superior. Now it's called extremely high. So if you check out your manual, check out the new descriptions, you also want to include those in your write-up. With the descriptive categories, I've seen uh, sites that, you know, because obviously we have different descriptive categories for different tests and what they decide to call it. I've seen Sykes just blanketly use the same one, even though the WISC says borderline, they say low, just to keep things consistent. Um, but I've always erred towards using what the manual says. I'm kind of like, if the manual says that that's what it is, and that's what I'm putting right forward. But Rebecca, you... Um, I have some questions <laughs> or comments. comments. Yeah, I'm sorry if I, I seem distracted. I am, but <laughs> I um, I see on our Facebook page that um, we have a comment that uh, one school psych had a friend that had such an adverse experience with internship that they did find a new placement for second semester. So she's saying she thinks that you know it depends on the grad program. So. Um, the grad, she, she believes that it was the grad school or another contact that helped her find the second placement because mm -hmm. I, I know in my case that we were left to our own to find the initial placement and um, in the area they were difficult, you had to secure a placement by you know like second semester the early spring of the year before internship and if you didn't the spots were filled. They, you know, different districts would only have, you know, certain numbers of interns. And so I'm wondering if, you know, come January, if you needed a new placement in my area, how would the school, all of the internship placements would be, it would be really difficult. So um, I was, that, that was my question to our, our Facebook friend, but she, she's not sure about the details, but she, she did make it work. So that's really good that's news. Interesting. I would think, too, that an option could be if you were really that miserable and there wasn't another district around that had, like, an internship open for you mid-year, that you could probably take an unpaid internship. I know that that's not something that most of us would want to do. That's, you know. All of internships in my area are unpaid. Did you find that, too, Anna? Oh, um, well, my program that I was in, they wanted everyone to take the paid internships, but uh, the economy got bad, and then that year they got rid of that policy. So yeah. everyone in my program was paid. You know, it was oh. between five and five thousand. I'm guessing it's not like we really talked about it, but but then the following year, people started to take unpaid. Is my understanding. So I think, you know, the economy and stuff. Yeah, maybe because I'm I'm so new. It wasn't that long ago, but. Um, when I was looking around, and I was looking in the New York City area and Westchester County, New York, which is a suburb of New York City, um, there just there was no such thing as a paid internship. The only possibility was a program in New York City for bilingual interns. Um, and if you um, were in a cert, if you were in a program that was going to certify you as a bilingual psych, 
then you could get paid, and I believe it was forty-six thousand dollars a year. So I mean, it's it's good. It's, it was good, but it was um, uh, that was the only the only paid internship that I had ever heard of in my area, and I I still believe around here. You just you work really long hours for free, <laughs> and you pay and you pay tuition. Another a great question that I thought a comment that we had um, on our Facebook page was about report templates. Mm -hmm. um, somebody wants to know if anyone has a new WISC five uh, template. I think she means report templates, and and I know that when I first started, even in school before internship, those report templates were so helpful for me to just wrap my mind around um, how to look at strengths and weaknesses and how to describe them and what they meant. Because when you're first doing it, it's it's really difficult, and and having you know a structure to follow makes it makes it sort of come alive for you. And I, I don't have a WISC five template does anybody well, well I've, I've written something you know uh, I've made a chart and I have my description right. of, of the composite areas oh. but I haven't done a lot of like interpreting beyond that just because of the profile of my student there wasn't a lot going on but I'd be happy to share like the chart and the description you know the, of the areas as like a starting point that would, be, that would be so helpful to me <laughs> Very cool. Very I think cool. this would be a good time to segue into sharing the resource of our Google Drive, Rachel, because okay. that's where a lot of these resources will be posted that are available for you guys, and I can add a, a WISC-5 document there to it. Awesome, awesome. And thank you guys so much for, like, audience participation here that really makes us feel a lot better about sitting here rambling on and on. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm going to try and use the screen share feature here to show you uh, the Google Drive project that we've got going on. So if you just bear with me. Um, hopefully hopefully you're seeing my screen um, as, I'm, as I'm navigating here. So we posted a link. Google Drive, if people aren't familiar with it, um, Google is really great for education and for sharing, and um, a lot of school districts use them for the email system. So hopefully um, you guys are a little bit familiar with this. A lot of districts um, use Google. But um, the Drive is just kind of um, everyone can supposedly, if, if I've got this set up right, and feel free to... Uh, oh, sorry, I just, <laughs> I was looking at my camera and I was like, it's not on, and then I was realizing, oh, it's because I'm showing my screen, duh, sorry. Um, so people can upload documents and take documents. So here I've got just a whole bunch of different file folders where things are being um, kept in. So for example, uh, behavior. Um, I can click on, hopefully I can click on behavior. Whoops, let's go over behavior. Um, I've got a couple different things in my behavior file as far as FBA and BFP resources. And click there. I can get some forms to help identify the function. Um, and then I've got a whole bunch of uh, different forms that could be useful. So going back here, I just wanted to show you guys a little bit observation forms. We've got plenty of ABC forms going on here. Um, so my vision for this is that you know, upload, if you have something that's useful, upload it here so we can all see it and all use it. If you see something that's useful, take it, share it, um, use it however. We want to try and be mindful of copyrights. We want to try and be mindful of um, stuff like that. So if anything gets put up there that shouldn't be, um, let me know. But um, I think it's a great way to kind of share and collaborate and, and do the whole thing that we've been talking about all night. Um, I wanted to show you also, let's see, so say, let me open up um, autism, and we've got assessments, observation, classroom strategies, information. I've also got oh, um, something here for websites, so I can open up this Google Doc, and it'll show me, you know, we have a webinar here on some autism, on you know, autism spectrum disorder, sorry, I'm thinking and doing things at the same time. So I can go in here and add resources and it'll update in real time. So if you have a link that is relevant and you want to share, you know, go on in and add it. If you want to upload a file, please do so. And this will be located on um, on our Facebook page and the Google Plus community page and just use it. Just be careful. Um, I know that some people we've 
shared it out there have been deleting some things, and I don't think they're deleting things on purpose, but um, I can go back and restore it. It's not a huge deal, but sometimes I'm like, oh, somebody <laughs> removed this or removed that. But um, So that's the Google Drive. That's a free resource. I want everybody to, to check it out and, and use it and click on the link and share it and pass it around, and we'll see what kind of becomes of it. So hopefully that, that worked. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Um, going back to your resource page, thank, thank you for doing that. I've gone on it and checked it out. I couldn't figure out personally how to upload things yet, but hey, it's a work in progress for myself and technology. Um, there's one resource that I wanted to share that Rachel um, wonderfully put up on that resource drive. Um, so I'm going to show you the breathing scripts. I don't know about you guys, but... Um, do some counseling and work with a lot of different kinds of kids who want to, we want to help them calm down. And um, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that with different kids and figuring out what works best with different kids. So, you know, what works with one kid, just telling them to take deep breaths doesn't always work. You have to try different things. So there's a breathing script um, on the on the drive, and I'm going to screen share it guys right now. So this is just different ideas of what you can do with kids. You see it up there? Okay. What you can do with kids um, and breathing. So I love the mind jar the best, but you can um, bring bubbles with students. Um, you can try some more body focus. You know. Can you guys hear? Anna, where'd you go? I lost you. I got you back, Rachel, but I, lo I did lose Anna, too. Huh. All right, well, we know there will be some technical difficulties. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that she'll come back to us eventually. <laughs> but I do, I do like those breathing scripts. Um, and a lot of my, my counseling cases where we have goals of... Um, coping skills and whatnot, even with my high school kids, it's good to review some of those, you know, deep breathing strategies so that when they're sitting there and taking a test and they're getting nervous or, or something's going on, um, that's something that they can do. They can, you know, think about their breathing and that's kind of a fun way to do it. So, <laughs> poor Anna, we lost her. She's gone. She disappeared into the void. <laughs> She made it pretty much um, almost to the end. Let's let's go on to your resource, Rebecca. Okay. Um, so my the resource that I wanted to share is um, just my page because it's where I collect resources for myself and I like to share them. Uh, I'm going to try the screen share. I, I'm also a little bit of uh, not a tech person, so this is all kind of new. So oops, I think this should work. Can you guys see? Um, my Facebook page? Whoops. Okay. Hold yep. on. Yeah, okay. So this is my school psych. You see it? Okay. This is the school psych, your school psychologist Facebook page. I started it on a whim, you know, one night because I love and follow um, two other school psychology pages. And one of them is Sincerely School Psychologist, and the other one is Virgin. Psychologists, I love them and I follow them because it just makes me feel like there's someone out there that um, is doing the same work and interested in the same things and I can relate to their posts and so I thought let me start one too and um, it's been so wonderful I've been getting such good feedback a lot of the places I find my resources are on my page here you'll see at the bottom there's a little um, section that says liked by this page and these are all of the um, Facebook pages that come up every day on my newsfeed and often where I find great articles and resources and things to share. I find that school counselors are so, so helpful and wonderful. I follow a lot of them on Facebook and we do you know, similar kinds of work sometimes. So 
they have a lot of resources to share. Um, so please uh, like my page and come on here and um, check out the resources, scroll back as far as you can. And if Facebook doesn't let you scroll back very far, because I do tend to post several things a day, so maybe if you saw something a week ago, it'll be way back in the archives. But if I have this uh, link right here to my website, which is Granted, it needs a lot of work, but what I do have, um, I set it up, and where, what I do do is when I find links that are helpful to me that I look at often or that I search for inspiration or resources from, I add a, um, a button here on the links one and links two pages of my website so that, um, so that I can always find them again, and you can find them. Here's a, an entire other website called School Psych, Psych Resources, which is wonderful, and here's a lovely other school psychologist. So um, that's my that's the resource I wanted to share. Please uh, follow us on Facebook. Also, we have our School Psych podcast page. That's the three of us, and we'll put information up here about when um, when we'll be. Uh, having another podcast. Hopefully we'll get your ideas and your thoughts and your comments. Oh, Anna's back. Hi, Anna. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so please write to us. Write to us on the School Psych Podcast page and ask questions and share resources and, and help us uh, come up with our next conversation because we'd love to hear from you and, and share with you. Hi, Anna. Where were you? I have no idea what happened to my computer. <laughs> I hope you guys did well. <laughs> you want to close us out, Anna? <laughs> sure. So we're out, we're out of time. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as I said earlier, the conversation continues on a variety of in a variety of ways. Our tentative date for our next podcast is the same night, same time, Sunday night, February fifteenth. We're open to feedback on that. You know, if Sunday night doesn't work great for you, we want to make this useful to you out there. So let us know, and um, we'll see you out there on the World Wide Web. Right. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.